We come now to the fifth chapter of Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, beginning at verse six. Hear the word of the Lord. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The word of the Lord. Once again, oh God, we've come to place our lives in front of your open word asking that your spirit will do what only you can do, which is to carry it, especially into the most darkened corners of our lives. We ask for this mercy in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. On this Monday, Thursday, the Apostle Paul reminds us, you were darkness. But in Christ, you have been brought to light. So he says, live as children of light. Do that which is right and good and true. Don't turn back to the darkness. The images of darkness and light have long been pressing and competing themes within the spiritual life. Very often the battleground between the dark and the light is depicted in images that are cosmic, if not apocalyptic. But I've always been more drawn to St. Augustine's notion that this battleground actually exists within our own hearts. We all know what it means to have been in darkness especially the darkness of our own making. And to live by our affirmation that Christ has brought us out into the light. But we also know the temptation, the daily temptation to turn back to the darkness. And on Monday, Thursday, who embodies that better for us than Judas? We don't know much about Judas other than the fact that he was trusted. We know he was the treasurer of the community of disciples. We know that prior to Monday, Thursday evening, he's not given them any reason to doubt his loyalty to the community or to Jesus. In fact, at the Monday, Thursday dinner, at the Last Supper, 
He was sitting right next to Jesus, sharing the dipping bowl, a place of honor and trust. And yet he is forever known as the betrayer. We don't know really why he betrayed Jesus. Was it really just for 30 pieces of silver? Was he, for some reason, disappointed in Jesus? Was it something else? When Jesus predicted that this night one of the disciples would betray them, all of the other disciples said, surely not I, Lord. But Judas said, surely not I, Rabbi. Is that it? That Jesus was never more than just another teacher to Judas? We don't know. It does not actually matter to this narrative because there are, in fact, so many reasons to betray Jesus. What we do know is that Judas betrayed the community and the Savior that trusted him. Down through history, we have reserved our most severe judgments for those who commit acts of betrayal. This is why Judas is found in the very lowest circle of Dante's Inferno. Betrayal is a sin against trust. It is a shattering of the loyalty and faith that are critical for maintaining community. But I think the real reason we are so hard on this particular sin is that it exposes an ambivalence that lies at the core of our relationships. It's the Judas within us that we really despise. And fear. We fear Judas more than we do the cross. The cross is a symbol of heroic sacrifice. But Judas is a symbol of the darkness that still lingers in our hearts. It's as if we, we fear that we have a, a latent, unredeemed Judas chromosome in us that's going to go wild at some point and make us betray our own beliefs in the people who trust us. And we all have this. Again, when Jesus predicted his betrayal, the fragility of all the disciples' relationships to him is revealed in their saying, surely not I, Lord. It's as if to say, I was worried about that. <laughs> but I, I thought I had it under control. Again, this is why we are so severe on this sin and others. We're always hardest on the sins of others who have this, this, the same struggle that we have within ourselves. That's what we're hard on. This is particularly true for those of us who've deceived ourselves into thinking that we are so trustworthy that there is no darkness left in us. 
No one is as merciless as those who found no mercy for their own evil. Let us remember that by the time we get to Good Friday, none of these disciples who've been a part of Jesus' community for three years are exactly the embodiment of heroism. Peter's already by then denied Jesus three times. The other disciples are mostly gone, abandoned, hiding. At a time when faith and loyalty would have cost their lives, all of the disciples failed Jesus. And maybe that's one of the messages of Holy Week. That in time, we all betray Jesus. Maybe it will be your fear or your cynicism or your cherished hurt or your constructed anger or an old addiction or, or, or some other besetting sin that will make it impossible one day for you to be loyal to Jesus. Maybe someday, maybe many days, that Judas chromosome is going to kick in and you're going to find yourself doing things you thought you were incapable of doing. The question is, what then? What happens after that day? Matthew's Gospel we're told that when Judas realized the gravity of what he had done, he was filled with shame. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Matthew also says that Judas repented. To repent, remember, means to turn. The problem was where Judas turned. He turned first back to the chief priests, trying to give them back the 30 pieces of silver, thinking maybe he could atone for his sins by fixing this. But when you've betrayed Jesus, you cannot atone for it yourself. So the chief priests scoffed at him. And then he turned into his shame and destroyed his own life. By contrast, Peter and the other disciples who had also failed Jesus, they just stayed with their failure until they encountered the risen Savior the only one who could forgive and atone for their sins. They discovered what Paul says in our text today, this, this light of Christ that shined into their darkness. But Judas wasn't with them because he didn't wait for this grace. 
He, he wasn't at the cross to hear Jesus say, Father, forgive. He wasn't in the upper room to hear Jesus look at all of them and say, peace, peace be with you. He didn't see the light shine into his darkness. When you have done what you thought you were long done ever doing again, when you've done what you thought you would never do, when you've betrayed your own beliefs, be very careful where you turn. Turn to the light that is shining towards you. Turn to the cross from which this light of mercy and atonement pours down. Because the darkness cannot overcome that light. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.